Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Poltergeist Edition. Today we're talking Poltergeist 3. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, your friend and mine, the man we all know and love, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. That's a lot of crap that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Dr. Satan is not just the villain of this piece, he's also the audience's mouthpiece. Right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, I was actually I was kind of reflecting on uh like you know, you asked Mike in the last episode what are the rules? Right. But I I'm going to go even further and say what's the explanation? <laughs> Because in both these movies, we we get a well, we get a really a scene of bullshit explanation like I've never seen to the point where the char- like the characters in the scene are going, I don't know what you're talking about. None of this makes sense. Right, and the other thing about these two movies is that you don't get that explanation until there's twenty minutes left in the movie, <laughs> and it's done on the fly. <laughs> yeah, with lots it's of like people talking saying, out the side we don't of have their time mouth. for this. We don't have yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a quick aside. <laughs> All right. Well, joining us, of course, once again, Matthew Aldrich, screenwriter from Hollywood and co-writer of Coco. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hello, Matt. Hello, guys. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is this is. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just reflecting back on the last time I was here, and we had we had uh, we did a couple of gems, and uh, this Poltergeist three. I would put in the in the pile with uh uh-oh with it's not as bad as Halloween 3 um but it is uh <laughs> it, it is it is pretty bad it, it's Apart it's, it's three, definitely as bad as airplane 2 That's <laughs> um, still got yeah. an axe to grind against Halloween 3 yeah, for for anybody uh, listening at home uh, who's been who's been monitoring the Halloween Three Wars, um, you know, <laughs> also known in. as uh, also known as our show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone has taught more about Halloween Three than we have on this show. I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, if if you if you want um, if you want to uh, uh, if you want to revisit the Halloween Three Wars, uh, you know, listen to the 1982 project because we. We uh, we discuss Halloween three um, and, once again, uh, once again. Yeah, <laughs> poor Mike. I feel like Mike is like um, Mike is like the child, and we're like the couple getting a divorce. Tom, yeah. you and me, like, and we're we're really making him choose who he wants to live with. <laughs> so, um, but then, so I. I make my case. I make my case against Halloween three uh, pretty vehemently in our in our episode on the horror films of uh, nineteen eighty two. So, yeah, 
The, the only the only question there is which one of us is Dr. Daniel Chalice in the divorce proceedings. Because <laughs> that, that makes a pretty clear cut about who who's right and who's who wrong. Should, who should get arguments. custody. <laughs> well, it was funny because as you were talking yes, uh, in the last show about uh, about Taylor uh, working the long con. Yeah. Um, and and being a, actually just being a car thief yes. um, who who dupes. Who dupes people, um, you know, uh, with his Native American mysticism? Right, um, he tells into, them their car is get... angry, and and uh... <laughs> until and they the can just hand them over his car. <laughs> right, um, that actually, what, when you said that, Tom, the, the the reframing Taylor like that just made him make so much sense to me, you know. And yeah, I was like, I, oh my god, the, it, it, it gives but in the same way, more of a through line than he actually has in the movie. But yes, completely right. gives him a reason, <laughs> gives him stakes, gives him a timetable, gives him everything. It's all part of this con. And so, and so, on the last viewing of Halloween three uh, that I did for for uh, for the other show. Um, I looked at it as not Daniel Chalice was trying to solve a murder because that was my first upon first viewing. I was like, well, this guy's trying to solve a murder. He has no reason to. He's, there's, there, there's just no reason for him to be in the movie. But when I reframed it as no, he's just trying to have sex with this 18 year old girl. Yeah. Right. Ev- everything definitely made more sense. It uh, Completely. Yeah. Yeah. That he was uh, he had no no uh, interest in solving that murder. Um, so. Yeah. So tip of the hat, there is something to I, my I, my feelings toward Halloween three has have evolved, but um, they they still um, uh, remain pretty fixed. I at um, least yeah. made you admit that it was a funner movie than Cat People. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and it is. It's it is more fun to watch than Cat People, marginally, <laughs> because Cat People is maybe the least fun movie to watch. Ever. Period. Period. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Anyway, we digress. Well, yes, of course, today we're talking Poltergeist 3, a 1988 film. This movie is directed by Gary Sherman, so all three movies have different directors. Uh, he directed uh, Dead and Buried, if you remember that, uh, and Wanted Dead or Alive, a Rucker Hauer vehicle. That's about it. <laughs> I, I think he'd be at home with a Rucker Hauer vehicle. I can imagine, yeah. like, he could be surrounded by that late 80s-ness. Yeah, I think he's very good at that sort of aesthetic. Yeah. Well, and I talked in the last episode about uh, the law of diminishing returns. I think Poltergeist 2 was at 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one's at 17%. Uh, they lowered the budget, $10.5 million, opening weekend of 43 but in the USA and the world, fourteen point one million. So America said, uh, "We're done with Poltergeist." I think. Wow. Yeah. It and it's so funny too. Um, again, because even though there are these diminishing financial returns, uh, this is a this continues to be kind of a legacy title that yep. gets rebooted and reimagined and repackaged, right? Again and again and again, and really, it, it's. It's off of the first movie. Nobody's trying to repackage. Well, the I was just going to say, right? Three. Yeah, you know, nobody's trying to capture that lightning in a bottle. But they're trying um, to cash in on Poltergeist, but not continue yeah. the story. No, exactly. From and, these sequels, and, and to me, it's just so funny because every every time they have tried to sequel, reboot, or reimagine Poltergeist, it has failed. Like. Mm-hmm. 
it has failed critically and financially, yet they're still trying to do it. And I, I really keep asking myself, why? What is so special about that first movie? What is so um, marketable or known about that first movie that makes this such a persistent title? Like, why hasn't this gone the way of a thousand other marginally okay uh, uh, horror films from the 80s? Right. You know what I also thought of during our last episode that I didn't speak to was the Steven Spielberg of it all, because one of his biggest regrets was, you know, Jaws was this huge hit, and then he had nothing to do with the sequels. And so there's a rather well-known story that he didn't like that Jaws was, you know, sequelized in ways in which he had nothing to do with it, which is why he wanted to be involved in a second Jurassic Park. Mm. And that, so that's why he did The Lost World, so that he could kind of have control over that sequel. But it's interesting to me that he learned that lesson with Jaws, and then Poltergeist comes along. He had no interest. Yeah. So I, I it's did, not like I, that I, was on his mind for this franchise. You know, I, for, for as much as, you know, Steven Spielberg's record, his record speaks for, him, for itself, but um, I, I don't think he has a very good track record with sequels in general. I don't know if he knows how to, to do sequels. I think you're right, yeah. Because um, The Lost World, it's not a good movie. And the, and the Indiana Jones um, uh, franchise as well. Um, right. I don't think, I think the, those sequels don't um, deliver. On the on the on the promise of the on the uh, on the promise. I of think the premise, those sequels right? are appreciated way more than they should be. Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know. And and so and also you know at the time as as we've talked about Mike like, like at a the time has been um, laid down there for a few sequels series. were not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were not cachet. Like they were not. They were. They were something someone stooped to do. Right. Um, in, in the feature world. It wasn't a given that something would be a franchise. Well, and Tom and, and I, would... you and I have talked about that with the, especially the Planet of the Apes series. You know, they they really... Yeah. Charlton Heston had some serious demands in order to come back because it was... Being in a sequel was just something you didn't do back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a movie star, right? It was it was definitely seen as slumming it, which is ironic given given the quality of those movies and you know, better than some of his uh, you know other seventies movies that Charlton Heston was in. In fact, yeah, right. I, mm. I I mean you know since since we're talking about alternate universes where Spielberg does the sequel, I mean it'd be interesting to see where Toby Hooper would have gone if he'd have been allowed to if he'd been let loose on a a Poltergeist sequel because, you know, famously with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, he didn't mm-hmm. want to repeat anything from the original <laughs> movie. He wanted a straight, he wanted to make a straight slapstick comedy. And, you know, he had Canon behind him who are not going to turn you down whatever you want to do, basically, right? That there's no, there's no quality control there. So, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, so it would have been. It, that also would have been interested, and he uh, maybe you know uh, he could have put his stamp point. on. I would, I would, have, I would love to have seen in a that. way that he, yeah. he 
wasn't I would allowed love to. to or, and, and you know, speaking of continuity, you know, by the you know, as I movie. as I was saying in the last episode, um, you know, nobody came back on the on the production yeah. side of things. Even though that was a, they, they got the band back together on the cast on the production side of things, nobody came back for the sequel of Poltergeist except for the two writers. And and now by the third movie, we have yeah. yet another complete changing of the guard right. behind the camera. New director, new producers, new writers, um, and you know I'd have to double check. I mean, I know it's a new cinematographer. I'd have to double check mm. to see if it was a new editor. But well, and of course, only those... two actors come back. Well, but but I'm just saying, like, if you want to talk about the creative core of a film, you're talking about the director, the writer, the producer, the yeah. the DP, and the editor. Like those five people are going to really drive the creative all creative decisions that are made. Yeah. Um, uh, behind the camera. And so I think that's also in some ways that makes this series really interesting to me because you, we don't see a lot of that anymore. Um, you know, a, a producers, if they, if they make a hit, they are producing the second and third and fourth and fifth. They, yeah, right. there, there is a continuity, um, a creative continuity behind the camera, even as they swap out directors and things like that. Um, the producers and yeah, often the writers, uh, take on this role of essentially show running Shepherding, uh, a franchise, yeah. you know? And, um, and so I find it remarkable that there was a time in the eighties when they, when a title would just be this like jump ball mm -hmm. that, that anybody could right. grab, mm -hmm. you know? And the first film, it's like they had, it was Steven Spielberg and, and Kennedy Marshall. It was like, it right. was, they, they, it was such a storied, or would yeah. be, that, that would that was such a it would become such a storied um, uh, uh, partnership um, uh, among those three people and the kinds of movies that they would go on to produce, um, and the fact that they had this giant hit and then just like I don't left. know like left left it by the side of the road and yeah. drove on like I, I it would not it would never happen today it would never ever happen today. And this maybe this is why you know because when there's no continuity, um, yeah, a new a new creative team comes on and they um, maybe they don't know the potholes to watch out for, you know maybe they don't um, they don't uh, you know they they haven't been through it so they don't understand why something was maybe successful or or what the heart of something right. was maybe they have a misread of the film and I and that's what I feel like for this this particular movie for me like. This particular movie looked at the first two movies and picked all the wrong things to photocopy. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, and I think I I think it's more common that, um, what happens specifically to horror series in the in the seventies and eighties is that they they have they have a, a you know a sequel that doesn't work and goes in a direction that is unsustainable, and then there's an attempt yeah. to sort of regroup. Try and try and reinvolve some of the people um, who were in the original movie. That happens with the Nightmare series Laddie. and Dream yeah. Warriors, where they try and get Wes Craven back on board. The Exorcist with getting William Friedkin into not William Friedkin, getting um, uh, Blatty, William Peter Blatty, in to do the third movie <laughs> right. after the you know the debacle of the second. So, but this there's no. There's no redemption arc for right. There's no reset. This. There's no reset here. <laughs> There's no redemption arc here. It is. It's. It's just. It. It's just. Uh, I mean, what's interesting is they. They are really. Mm -hmm. 
they are really focused from the from the outset of this movie on doing something completely different. But uh, it makes it feel nothing like a poltergeist from movie. from the last uh, from the last two movies. Like clearly, that is the that is the goal here. Maybe, I, um, but I, I I can't get the which, I can't get myself loose of this feeling that watching this movie is like yeah. But I mean, some of that I think ship, is positive. You know? I think some of it's that just, is a. Uh, it's just Some of like this thing that's adrift in the sea and nobody's piloting it and it once sailed mightily <laughs> but now it's just all the rats have jumped and there's nobody left. There's nobody left in this in this story. There's nobody left except for, you know, I mean really just the um stockiest of stock characters. You you brought up Dr. Seaton. Like Dr. Seaton <laughs> Dr. Seaton uh He's not the worst film doctor I've ever seen. <laughs> but but um he's he is he is a terrible doctor and and um uh and exists only to be kind of the doubting Thomas in the in the room. Um you know. Yeah, right. And but not even done well or played for comedy the way that the I forget the character's name but the, from the Jurassic Park movie, the um the the accountant the lawyer yeah. you know the the guy who who gets eaten on the yeah. toilet um yeah yeah he's he's uh he's at least played as the butt of jokes seaton is mm. uh i don't know this dr seaton's gotta go right i was glad when he when he died well and i i it's funny too because there's that moment where you think Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen, <laughs> you know, there's like, like some source, some sort of tricanery where you think we went, we went back before the moment that the doctor died. And I remember thinking, oh no, he's not going to be alive now, is he? <laughs> but then they get out of the elevator and he's still dead. And I was actually relieved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and speaking to to both those points, the, the, there's um, the the second half of these movies of, of this movie is there's a lot of yeah discontinuity. Some of it is built into the supernatural premise, and some of it I, I'm pretty sure are just full on mistakes. Mm-hmm. And there's some real. I mean, they they they're definitely they're building on this idea that that there's, a, there's some kind of there's time displacement going on but there's also an unintentional time displacement you see people in scenes where they couldn't possibly I didn't, be I didn't pick up on any of that actually um, that there was time displacement well there's a there's a there's a pretty egregious one which I can't find any verification of where uh when when Donna is in, is 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 supposedly on the mm-hmm. other side for, I don't know what it is like the 20 minutes or of the movie that she's in the um, you know in the animated <laughs> prayer card uh, from the last movie um, she appears in some of the kitchen scenes she's just standing there and there's no one else it can be there's no other character it can be um, so like I, I it just seems to me that the second said so the second half of this movie in particular is is out of mm-hmm. uh, is kind of out of the hands of even the director and the editors that they've they've kind of lost. Yeah, but track that kind of, of tracks because they refilmed the, the last and the I, ending I, to try to make it 
The funny part is there's two things. Right. One, the first cut of this movie was 80 minutes long, and they said, add, add some shit. So they added stuff Perfect. to pad it. Oh. <laughs> and Who then said the, the add other some part shit? Was, the other part was... This uh, is the, eighty you minutes know, you, is perfect. You usually have the opposite, where they have to cut stuff out to make it R. That this movie was rated PG, and they wanted to add some stuff so that it could be PG thirteen. Oh my god! <laughs> what did they? Do you know what they added? Like what? I don't. I don't know specifically. Yeah. It didn't mm. say. Yeah. Was it a, a ten minute sequence of a crane? <laughs> yeah, you know, right. whenever I hear about it, maybe it was Laura Flynn Boyle crawling out of a body. Whenever I hear about Cra- craw- crawling out of Tangina, yeah, that was unpleasant surprise. Um, whenever I whenever I hear about a movie that needs to reshoot its ending, like I'm not, it doesn't fill me with the most confidence. You know? Oh no, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I mean, I think they should have gone as far as just recutting the movie to take Heather O'Rourke out of it. The whole thing, and then and cre- creating and yeah, creating a new mo- just creating a new movie because right. it reads as so distasteful. Given that you know she died when the movie was being made, I mean to have to keep look, you know, I can't imagine being the premiere, having known Heather, you know, known and worked with Heather Heather O'Rourke, and having to see her turn into a demon every ten minutes in this movie. It's like okay, this girl just died. And there she is being being right. attacked. Uh, this, it's like, who? Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm sure the director made some shitty choices on this movie, but his proposed idea of scrapping it completely, I think, is is uh, probably the best choice he made. Yeah. The, during the, filming. I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, I can't even imagine the uh, conundrum that that you know that would put every everybody right. in after you've yeah. shot this movie. Or ninety nine percent of it, um, uh, and you you know you're in for all of these millions of dollars, and it's this thing, and blah blah blah, and is the you know would would the bonding would the insurer pay anything to if you decided to cancel this movie because of bad PR? Yeah. Like you know there there have been there there's a number there's a lot of movies where people have died in the making of the yeah. movie and the movie still comes out and i think there for better or for worse it's a it's a it's a um it's not a matter of taste it's sometimes just a matter of 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 one's you know dollars and cents you know and um and and i, I can imagine just sort of the heavy heart that it that the director had and I and I feel I honestly I feel for him and not only you know about her death sort of in the latter days of this of the filming of this movie but like um, my understanding is she was uh, the treatment for whatever she uh, the the for the she was misdiagnosed and she was getting she was getting like the wrong treatment and it caused um, some puffiness in her face and cheeks which is swelling which is really obvious in the filming of it and and you know it's like she she you sort of see a, a a child in the throes of an illness in this film yeah. in a way that um, is, you know, again, it's this meta quality. If you know the story behind it, you're looking at this film in a much, much different light and it's harder to watch. And, and right. um, well, and she finally looks different, too. I mean, from 82 to 86, when you see the poltergeist to the other side, I, I found it remarkable 
how how similar she looked to how she did four years previous. Yeah, they did a really good. I guess she hadn't aged. That's her, a long time for a it. It is, but I, I mean, you know, um, how they shoot her and her hair and all of that stuff, and and that she just ha- she hadn't matured very much um, uh, in right. that time. Her face hadn't changed. But in this movie, you can she tell was, that she's yeah, she's older getting now. older. And and rather than here's the thing about this movie too. Um, and it's, it's it, a lot of movies, especially sequels, and you guys would know about this. When you have a kid at the center of your sequel, you are playing with fire. You know, you yeah, and you right. have to. You guys, you <laughs> the, the the best example of this is Karate Kid, where where if you're if narratively <laughs> right. you're picking up within a year of where the last movie met left off, but you're yeah. filming it three years later, like you are going to strain credibility really, really fast. And so if your sequels don't yeah. accommodate for the aging of their characters, um, it, it, it really shortchanges you, I think, because it really does kind of corral you into telling the same story again. But what, but what they actually had the opportunity to show Carol Ann is a little older and facing different things yeah. at a different time in her life and what might what how might her relationship with her clairvoyance or with these spirits or with Kane or whatever how how, how might grow, it change right? or develop given the fact that she is now a few years older that seems to me more fertile ground creatively for the creators rather than go like okay we're just going to pick it up and it's going to be like a month after the end of the last one and we're just going to yeah. like we still got that red onesie jumper yeah exactly right? like we're still going to like dress her you up know. like Annie and and hope that she just looks like um um that she still looks like the adorable little Carol Ann it's just it's funny like um you know in the, in the in the toy story series you know it's animated and they didn't have to worry about um characters <laughs> getting older right. but in that series they let Andy age exactly the number of years he would have aged and look at where that series was able to go by letting Andy grow up, you know? Right. And, and so these, some of these movies that try to keep their main characters, especially when they're young, the same age, I, I just feel like they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot before they even start. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this is a, maybe a good place for us to take a break. All right. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll dive deeper into the narrative of Poltergeist Three. There's a narrative. Yeah, I was gonna say sticky as it. There's may a be. building. I don't know if there's a narrative. There's a <laughs> okay, well, so we, should we enter the building when we come back? Let's, Let's enter, enter the, the building. building and see if Tom Skerritt's involved. <laughs> <laughs> right after this. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. 
And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, everyone. Matt and Tom and I are here discussing Poltergeist 3, the 1988 movie. Directed by Gary Sherman. All right. So, at the top of this movie, we have a location change, and we have the Imbass Tom of surrogates taking the place of, of our parents. So we have Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen. Yeah, and and they they kind of fake you out initially into believing that it's going to be Joe Beth Williams. I think when Nancy Allen walks through the door, there's a moment mm. where you you I think I think they're leading you to believe it's her before they reveal it's Nancy Allen. I didn't pick it is up also on part that. Of That's a, interesting. I, I it is also part of a jump scare, I think. Mm-hmm. Well. Some some of the jump scares I, that, in that's this what movie I have. I have a strange fathom. note of of you have the shrieking she, jump scare music when she enters the room. Right. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, Poltergeist Three? But she reacts as if it's her mother, and then we see oh, and then then we have the conversation about Aunt Trish. Don't call me that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just it's it's that thing that sequels do where they want to kind of they want to ease you into the change of cast. But they're also giving you kind of like a parallel kind of actor, mm-hmm. um, you know, someone who potentially could have been cast in that in the original role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and same with Tom Skerritt, I suppose. You know, you could you could foresee a you could foresee a poltergeist where he's the dad. Sure, totally. I think that's kind kind of the point with the with these with these surrogates. Absolutely. Uh, and a new sister, a new Dominique Dunn, basically. Right. Yes, a young Lara Very Flynn clear. Boyle. Yeah, first yeah, role. Yeah, who, who, you know, in a in a weird, another weird coincidence is called Donna, name of her character in, in Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Right. So, does this work for you? I mean, you said that you didn't think it was a bad thing, Tom. Uh, you mean the 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 che- Well, I mean it's. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's I I don't mind these actors and yeah I I feel like if you're gonna you know if you need to switch it up this is this is fine but you know I, I'm still <laughs> I'm still gonna stick with my original idea that we don't need any legacy characters in this so right. we, we definitely don't need anyone related to legacy characters in it. I mean, doesn't it beg the question why the hell would the parents that we've known for two movies? Yeah. Send away this daughter. I, I I found that to be the most that that was the red yeah. flag, or that was where I yeah. threw the the yellow flag. I was like, no, I was like, Stephen and Diane and, would never ship Carol Ann away to her sister so that she could attend a school for the gifted and troubled, or whatever the hell they called that school. Like it, it, it. I just I blew the whistle at that 
point. I was right. like, I was like, they have to be dead in order for Carol Ann to be. Yeah, living, exactly. Yeah. That's what to I be thought, living yeah. a, away from them. I, I didn't find. I actually, I was. I bet there's a draft of this script where that's the I'm case. I'm sure it. I'm sure it. Because yeah. Nancy Allen reacts as if they're dead mm-hmm. when we first talk about them. I really thought that's where we were going. Mm. Yeah, they. Um, when we learn, <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I wrote a note. At the beginning of this film, I, I, as as for as much as they wanted to ease me into the new location and the new cast, I felt myself completely discombobulated. Um, you know, they they after the first few scenes, I wrote, um, they just told me how Carol Ann is related to Tom Skerritt and Nancy Allen, but I still don't know. I know they're an aunt and uncle, but I don't know who is blood. I don't know who's. I don't know. If See this, me if... too. For the longest time, I thought Tom Skerritt was Joe Beth Williams' brother. I thought right. that's what they were telling us at the beginning of the movie. That's what I and thought too. And then at too. the end of the movie, they're telling us it's Nancy Allen. Right. And then yeah. I thought maybe did I mishear it? Is somebody maybe Tom Skerritt is Craig T. Nelson's brother? So all I'm saying is like this movie tries it. It, it tries to do the very simple thing of saying, "Here's who these new people are," and two out of the three people on this show. <laughs> still was confused by that very right. simple thing of like of 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 just explaining who these people are it, it just it yeah and so it's like the the idea to set this film in a skyscraper the idea to transplant it to chicago to a city rather than suburbia um the idea to um uh, uh kind of put carol ann all by herself in this in this yeah. series like i don't hate any of those ideas no not at all but it's really strong they're they're strong ideas they're 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 definitive they 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 try to take they try to take the film out of the um out of the suburban out of the family unit we can argue about whether it's still a poltergeist movie or what even that means but (laughs) but but uh but it does give it, it But it's a good new. it's a good decision. It's a good decision. Yeah, the problem right. is yeah. the problem is it's so even after they sit there and explain who these people are and why we're here, I still couldn't know, I still didn't know and I'm, and I'm and I'm not surprised to hear Mike that you still didn't know either. Um yeah. it, because it was just confusing. So it was just like it was a good idea but it was just poorly executed. Mhm. And does there's, there's a I don't also, you know, <laughs> It's, it's that problem where the, you can, you know, talk about characters who are off screen and you can sort of say what you like about them, really. Because there's a, there's a sort of weird implication here that that they're in some way that Steve is scapegoating um, Carol Ann mm-hmm. for, for the events. I mean, they, they make that implication and, you know, they don't... It's it's part of the. It's part of the kind of debunking of it, like the you know there's there's what people think perceive about what happened, and what we know what happened, but it's not entirely clear. Where the characters, from the original movie, feel about that, so you you don't get a sense of whether you know Steve, suddenly decided that he no longer believed. Caroline and that he thought he was part of this mass hypnosis experiment or that he's he's saying that to people so he can get get his job back or something you know like there's there's <laughs> right there's all these kind of impl- there's all these implications that mess with characters who are not on screen and that we'll never see again but sort of I guess you know ruin the legacy 
of them. You don't want to think the this about these characters that you like, but the film has to sort of make these implications so any of this makes any kind of sense. And it's, and, but it's um, doing it, as you're saying, it's doing it at, at the expense of characters that we've gotten to know and love yeah, and watch yeah, right. grow over the last right. two films. And so it just makes for a lot of unpleasant surprises. Like like a lot of them, you yeah. know. It's like like remember that family that banded together in the afterlife and defeated the beast. Remember how Stephen grabbed Taylor's spear and 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 stabbed the the beast and and and, and became a became a warrior. Well, six months later, he just got sick of the shit and shipped his daughter his away. Like, 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 <laughs> that's what I'm talking about about like creative continuity behind the camera, like. Like the if if one one producer one set of producers had been behind all of these films that choice never would have left the runway, right? Yeah, absolutely. I right. mean, yeah. every um, uh, you know, we 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 we've all talked about how strong that idea is. Of I think one of the strongest ideas of this, and it's not an original idea, but but it's what this movie's kind of pinning its hope on is that you're basically going to spend the entire movie inside this one building Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is compromised by the fact that you have to take carol ann to her to her school for debunking (laughs) right paranormal what was the phrase they used what was the phrase they used for this school oh i've got it school for gifted children with emotional problems (laughs) which apparently only exists in chicago there was no California equivalent of this they could send it to. Well, I, needed, and I also had a I needed, I needed to go if to that, that school. If that's gonna... I needed that school as a kid. I I thought I was in that school. Yeah, exactly. I also had but a the question. Other, the other was... fallacy is that you would need to go to the East Coast for that school. If that school is going to be anywhere, it's going to be in California. <laughs> I don't know. I can but see my that. Question I, I can see that being in like Maine. <laughs> she, Carol Ann gets out of the car and other kids start making fun of her, you know, yeah. in a way in which they, they seem to know that she's battled ghosts. So my note yeah, was... Yeah, they've seen the first two movies. Yeah, my sure. note was, my note was, is Carol Ann, like, John McClane famous? Right. You know? Like, when he's in that D.C. Yeah. airport, and they're like, you know, that thing at the plaza in L.A. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They're trying, they're, they're, uh... We yeah, and we've seen this before. You know, making making a character famous for what they've done in previous movies. Yeah. But here it's talked about as if she is just the girl who starred in the movie Poltergeist. There's no distinction right. between she's the Poltergeist girl. It's like, well, that that's so she's basically Heather O'Rourke now. She's playing herself. Well, and this that is actually, probably what Heather O'Rourke goes through every day. That actually lends itself right. to this question because the director was fairly adamant about giving Heather O'Rourke more to do in this movie. And so she's she has far... Which is a great choice for someone who's in ill health, by the I way. I was just going to say, yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> like... It's a Julian Beck situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is one problem, he has stomach cancer. That'll be fine. No, that'll actually help us. He'll look super <laughs> gaunt and freaky. We're not going to use this character again. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> we'll, we're, we're killing him at the end of this movie. <laughs> we, we will well, not need him for part center, three. 
Like, does he do her a disservice by bringing her to the center? Is she, like, is it too much? It's, it ruins everything. Yeah. I mean, it, because you you could have you could have had the 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 think of how how much how better a movie it would be if the entire if all the action was within one building. That's clearly what they want to do. Right. Yeah, but they got to take her to school at some point. Yeah. And if she wasn't in the movie, you wouldn't have to ever leave the building. And you and and the quality of the horror is just improved twenty five percent by that. Right. By that one difference, which they can't do because they've got to deal with the characters they already have. And the truth is, they don't have to deal with the characters they have. There's nothing <laughs> that that they put that on themselves. And by make and by making Caroline even more important, they they're just they're just compounding that that problem. They got, they brought just her a to... narrative problem yeah. in the in the movie they want to do, which is the, which is J.G. Ballard's high rise with a supernatural twist, mm-hmm. which is a great idea for a for a um, great idea for a horror movie. Yeah, I, I love the idea that it, you 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 it's not a haunted house; it's a haunted skyscraper. Right, that's fantastic. But then again, trying to it, it, like it feels like trying to fit that garment around the 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 form of a poltergeist movie or the other way around cloaking that idea in a poltergeist movie means that it can't just be a haunted skyscraper it has to be a grudge match between carol ann and kane you know and 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 it just again obi-wan and darth vader yeah Yeah, it's (laughs) like exactly it just it just makes it rivalry (laughs) like like if if this was just you know generic a uh, movie called uh, The Haunted Skyscraper, you wouldn't have yeah. to go to school. You wouldn't want to go yeah. to school. You wouldn't right. want it to be... You wouldn't want the explanation for the haunting to be a the leader of a Mormon death cult. Um, because that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you want something a bit more modern. You would want something right. a bit more modern, a bit more Chicago, <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you would want. Um, but, um, but yeah, Haunted Skyscraper... The ghost uh, of Al Capone. Right. <laughs> Again, but making it the dancing ghost of flag, anyone. Dancing on a flagpole on the top of the building. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, though, like the, making, the, making it the ghost of anyone immediately makes the movie small. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to say haunted skyscraper, you're like, oh, wow, that could be anything and any number of things. But when you say it's a skyscraper haunted by the ghost of Al Capone, you're like, oh, that's a comedy, right? Like, you, right. you're not. <laughs> exactly. You By making it specific to a per, like to one single spirit, you are just reducing yeah. this, the size of the problem unnecessarily. You know, you're not. This is what for me. This I mean, was you the. Don't, you don't even need a poultry. I mean, really, you don't even. <laughs> I hate to say this at this point. You don't even really need a, a poltergeist. I mean, it's a, it's 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 a self. It's it's a story of. It's essentially the story of a of a building where you know, like a an. A, a sentient building, that breaks down. It's like you know, it's how it could be how. Yes. Is what I'm saying. Right. 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 Because, yeah. Because this building is sort of self-operating almost. Right. And uh, it, you it's know, the haunt. The, the, it's the it's like Christine. The... Well, uh, and we get possessed cars as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. I had so... I had big time Christine vibes in that parking um, garage. And and you know I don't have a problem with this movie leaning into to science fiction because you know it, it's an it's a natural bedfellow of of horror. 
mm-hmm. um, and with the you know with this the idea of a, like a modern technologically advanced high rise building. I, you know, the the crossovers that seems organic to me, but it also kind of underlines you don't really need the ghost. You don't. <laughs> this is this idea of a building that you've set up to be autonomous, breaking down, and developing a an evil personality is kind of good enough. Right, right. You you the selling point of yeah. this building, the selling point of this building, right. So this is a, it's like a new sh- Chicago skyscraper, and. Glimpse of the future. Glimpse of the future. Yeah. You live there. You work there. You shop there. It's it's a self-contained, so, uh, right. vertically integ- literally a vertically integrated system, and <laughs> sorry. And so nice job. Nice thank job. Well um, So so that's the that's the brochure for this building. You never have to yeah. leave. Now the horror is you never get to leave. You can yeah, right. never leave. And suddenly now you have what you're saying, which is a haunted house, except it's a skyscraper and you're not allowed to leave. And then th- that's exactly what we talk about. So like, why then? Like, and you never I, have a moment where somebody's trying to leave and the doors lock and they can't get out. And right. You don't get any of that. Or people who are outside trying to get in who can't get in right. now. Like they, they had the seeds for a really compelling, simple horror premise Mm. and then they were like yeah but we need carol ann and kane (laughs) we need these transplants (laughs) from arizona at some point it just it it was we need need her to go to school so she can look through mirrors and we have a thing from adam's family burst through a table i I also say you know the the i think another another huge problem here is at least for me they make this (laughs) They make this high rise look way too good. Like even with this, even with the awful shit that happens in the movie, I still think it's it still kind of looks like a place I want to live and work. <laughs> <laughs> You're buying into um, the Reagan you know, you, dream. I don't know if it is just. I mean, right right now, it just feels like the dream of someone who has to commute to work. You know, so you, uh, you it's like the it's the post COVID dream. I think. I think, I think you're right. right. Yeah, that's just, true. Right. It's like it's like you 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 just take the elevator to work. I mean, they even try they even try to make it look like a real hardship that every two weeks she has to drive her kids to school. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, but that's two weeks you don't right <laughs> every two weeks that's i mean that's a small price to pay for living and working in the same building right and getting everything you need within this one place i mean it, it's kind of and for so they can't make that seem creepy to me because i desire it so much <laughs> with the life i lead now and i'm sure a lot of people watching this movie in 2022 are going to feel the same like what are these people like what's the what's the anxiety here like this is anti anxiety so you to me <laughs> you would you would put up with the haunting in order just to be like an elevator or a ride away from your supermarket well clearly it's not going to affect anyone you know i'm not related to caroline so, it's not <laughs> so i'm good me. I'm, I'm fine everyone every i mean they even make a point of saying like this doesn't affect anyone else in the building it's it's like an allusion to everyone else in the building oh that's apparently. right they do yeah every yeah. nobody else can see what's going on not even the security cameras i mean that was the you know that was the final straw for me i was like i'm there i'm <laughs> i'm gonna put put down an application now well what's funny about that though what's funny about that 
and this is, I think, speaks to the late 80s um, of it, um, because they did create this little um, capitalist utopia, this consumerist mm-hmm. utopia yeah. in this building. And and uh, unlike Cuesta Verde, which was abandoned, like you can right, imagine right. this building does just fine uh, after the events yeah. of, of this movie. Yes, like this movie, right. th- th- nothing brings this building down. This building is not uh, an aborted attempt at... Um, at consumerism it's this is just a blip this is like a growing pains for what will go on to become a a, a wonderful building in the chicago skyline. we'll fix those cracked mirrors and we're back on our way yeah that's the that's the the extent it, of the damage is cracked mirrors yeah it seemed it seemed from the ending of the movie it seems like you might get a bit of horror lightning now and again <laughs> that's true but... yeah right and you know some 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 sinister laughter. You might say, hear some sinister yeah. laughter in the skies. Did you but hear that apart evil from laugh? That, yeah, but nothing specific enough to to really put you off uh, living in this in this capitalist utopia. It's even got an art gallery. You're not even culturally deprived. That's mm-hmm. true. Do you? I bet there's a I bet there's a movie theater. I was going to say. Do you feel like? I, I do you just, feel yeah, like? Right. Do you feel like they even, because I got the sense that even though um, it was this new location, we kept seeing the same parts of that new location. Like we didn't really explore everything that there was to explore in this uh, vertically integrated uh, skyscraper. We're in the hallway right outside their home a lot. A lot of service elevators, a lot of hallways, a lot of parking garages, not a lot Mm -hmm. of grocery stores, movie theaters shopping right. mall yeah uh uh rooftop gardens uh you know extra we saw the pool but we didn't see the gym like there's just uh, there were a lot of things that i felt like they left on the table and that could have been a budgetary thing it's like we, we can only we can only afford um uh service elevators um or if it was just driven <laughs> by like if it's not a space that organically has a mirror in it we're not going to use it you know um oh, i mean that's a great point What's up with mirror with this movie? Oh, of mirrors? okay. I Let's mean... we could do a whole segment. So on I was just gonna ask you guys what you thought of the mirrors because to me there was an idea there, and what I like about it more than anything is just that they shot everything practically. So on that level, I kind of dig it, but the idea itself seems to go nowhere and have no point. No. I said I don't even think it's an idea. I think it's a motif. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it's a compact mirrors, two way mirrors, mirror doors. Mirror, mirror elevator glass puddles that it's, are it, mirrors right <laughs> we're just latching onto this one sort of visual device and and at no point is it explicated in terms of the paranormal never yeah right it's just and it's completely new to the series and this series has seen <laughs> yeah, right. and this series has had two key set pieces in front of a mirror it has had the guy in the first movie, the guy uh, uh, ripping yeah. his face off uh, his face. in the bathroom mirror, and then uh, Robbie getting attacked by his braces in the second movie. <laughs> so this is raising the stakes. I, well, or it's it's taking attack. these. It, we need more mirrors. <laughs> I just think that um, the first two movies had mirrors in them, and. The mirrors actually had nothing to do with the scenes. It's not like one thing was happening right. in the mirror and another thing was happening. In the... So th- it's not like we've never seen a mirror in the series before. We've seen them in several times, and uh, and they've never they had anything never to mattered. do. They've never and mattered. What's interesting is you see them all over the place in he- in this movie, and they still don't matter. 
Well, it, it's, it, it, they are, I think it's the new idea and the new rule is that the mirrors are somehow the portal to the other side, which we've now, yeah. again, we have traveled to the other side. Now, this is the third way in three third movies. Third time, yeah. The first way was through the but closet. But at the end, they don't go through a mirror. They go through the outside window. Which, again, makes no sense because they say in, the, in this movie, they say, Kane doesn't control the outside. Yet... In the last movie, he was strolling through the neighborhood and walking up to the porch. <laughs> Singing. It so, was inside he couldn't get to without right. permission. He was like a vampire. So so what I'm saying is in the first movie, the, the doorway to the other side was the children's closet, which is fantastic because what kid yeah, yeah. doesn't imagine a fucking monster in their closet? Like you want to you want to play into the the, the the myths and ideas and fears we already have, right? So they make the entrance to the to the afterlife a child's closet. Love love it. Perfect. Ship it. Yeah. In the second movie, <laughs> it's it's Taylor's campfire. No, it's the fire. That's how they jump into the other side. It's Taylor's campfire. Oh yeah, you're right. Underground yeah. to get to the, the other side, yeah. That's one of them ghost fires. One of them ghost <laughs> fires. One of those so, mystic okay. fires. So now, I guess there's two ways to get to the afterlife. A ghost fire and a child's closet. And then the third movie comes along and says, hold my beer. And says, we're going go to go into the other side through a mirror. Not just any mirror, every mirror. Every mirror. And we're going we're gonna to set our film in a literal funhouse of mirrors. Um, yeah. And... and Again, I like you, Mike. I appreciate that they that they kind of did everything in camera. It feels yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like you're at a a Vegas magic show where you're like yeah. It, it gives the movie something. It gives the movie a visual. Visually, it's entertaining and interesting, but at a certain point, you say to yourself, "It's for nothing and doing nothing," so it's just for show. <laughs> It's, but again, it only and it only really applies to Carol Ann because you know, Matt made the excellent point about you know what child doesn't think a monster's going to come out of their closet, but you know Carol Ann lives in her bedroom is covered in mirrors. Yeah. So I'm sure she's scared of monsters coming out of her mirrors, but most kids don't live in a in a in a bedroom that's entirely walled by mirrors. So <laughs> I it think... really again it only applies to this one kid. I know I it, and and happens and not to live in that. a high rise that's full of mirrors. Because because also it, it the, the decorating style of this of this uh skyscraper is very 80s. And and I think, you know, when you think about this this movie in terms of cocaine, the idea that there is a demon in the mirror um, is 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 a is a is a is a, is a helpful thing. And I and I and I when it, look, Mike and I have been watching a lot of movies from the early '80s. Co- <laughs> cocaine crops up in the in the strangest An of places. An alarming amount. <laughs> so um, yeah. when when I when I when I uh, uh, try to imagine the, um, the the rooms in which uh, Poltergeist Three was. Uh, was uh conceived um when when they're talking about all these mirrors and all of the the demons inside the mirrors i i i'll bet somebody brought up cocaine i'm just i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it that's a way better ending you're you're yeah right here that we kind of pull out and the building is just part of 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 a of a mirror on which an 
an Hollywood executive is doing cocaine. That's how the movie feels. Black. That, right? Yeah. That's how the movie feels. Yeah. They didn't have an ending for this movie, and there's your perfect ending. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's Saint Elsewhere it. Let's fucking right? go yeah. for... <laughs> let's go let's into the snow back. globe. Let's pull it back. <gasps> you know who? <laughs> it should pull back, and it should be um, Stephen doing the cocaine. That's who it should be. Right. Yes. Saying, I hate my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a terrible father, is what he should say. (laughs) My Uh, finding my manhood only lasted so long. Yeah. Or no, he's just muttering to himself, I am a warrior. (laughs) 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 All right. Let's take another break and then we'll come back and finish up. (laughs) We'll be right back, everyone. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. We're back once again, everyone. Matt and Tom and I are here. We're discussing Poltergeist 3 finishing up with this uh, weird fucking movie. Mm. (laughs) So, to me, this movie... um, I've got two big problems with this movie. One is bringing Kane back without having Kane back. Yeah. It's a terrible Thoughts. idea, right? You. This is uh, again not to. I don't want to just keep giving the, this movie notes, but you don't need. Well, first of all, you don't need a poltergeist. If you're gonna have a poltergeist, there's no reason why it has to be Kane. <laughs> no reason. No reason. If you if you told Especially me when, if you... when you're the actor who played Kane has uh, has died, this is where we can literally do poltergeist of the week. Yes. And, yeah, and if, right. And if, you know what I mean? We can starring special guest poltergeist. Special guest poltergeist. Don Knotts. Yeah. William Shatner. Um, <laughs> no, if if you tell me that Carol Ann's clairvoyance makes her a lightning rod for poltergeist in the same yeah. way that Tangina is, like, then wherever she uh, goes, she's gonna have to. It's she's gonna be like Angela Lansbury. Um, she's just gonna, you know. <laughs> Uh, just she's just going to be solving the murder of the week or the the poltergeist of the week, and um, yeah. and again, if you let her age and let her mature and let her um, step into this role, then you have an actual 
evolution of the series and not just mm-hmm. another another um it just feels like a bait and switch it's like we're gonna sell you a poltergeist movie and give you um you know haunted skyscraper and it's it just oh god i have have so many questions (laughs) i have so many questions again they it's the, the thing about this movie what are the rules you're not explaining anything to me and doesn't it also assume? I mean, we talked about this in the. In and why the, last the fuck? Episode. Sorry, but why the fuck does Kane need help going to the light? It's a light. Go to it. He was killed in the last. His spirit, the beast. Yeah, exactly. Was killed Craig T. Nelson, grabbed Taylor's spear, and for as hokey as it is, it was pretty clear. He took the fucking spear and he and, and he put stuck it, in it into head. the H.R. Geiger. Uh, 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 or one of the many heads on that creature. One of the many heads of the beast, and the beast went... There you go, he left too many heads alive. <laughs> and the beast, the beast went... Rawr, and like <laughs> spun off into nowhere, and, and that was the end of Kane. And then they're like, he's still here, and now he's trapped in a mirror, and he needs help going to the light. But to and... for Tom's point earlier, we have the lightning bolt hit the building in the lab yes. afterwards after he's gotten what he wanted. Yes. He should be no. appeased. Well, that's just, I mean, that's just their, you know, horror randomizer. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just something to end the movie with. <laughs> it's a best, that really bears no relation to to anything. You know, it's like, that's... It reminded laughter me... And light, that's just the laughter and lightning, you know, setting on the synthesizer, right? It's, it's the just, Freddy yeah. Krueger sweater on the top of the... Co- uh, convertible car coming down i did get some night nightmare 2 vibes from this from this movie as well <laughs> the when when we're the teens were having a pool party yeah. i thought as soon yeah. as you see that in a horror movie something's gone wrong right but but what's so funny is um nothing actually went wrong with that pool party no. Yeah, exactly. Right. It only went but, wrong, and, and they were also trying to break break into that pool like like it was some kind of heist movie. <laughs> That's my well. note, like Tom. Was... I I have my note is swimming pool heist, <laughs> like the amount of shenanigans that they have to go through to go swimming at night. They're yeah. like they're going Hudson Hawk level, uh, yeah. You know, thievery <laughs> with the cameras and shit to try and just. Right. They're dip. like they're literally doing everything short of killing the security guard. <laughs> to get to it's, so, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Which, by the way, again, like if this is such a great place to live and work and play, wouldn't the pool be open past nine? Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the, like, I can't go swimming after nine p.m. <laughs> what? Why is I this pool? The price, of, the price of paradise is the pool closes. At <laughs> why is this? Why is this pool monitored by fifteen security cameras round the clock? What is so special about this pool? Oh my god! Like, um... and the 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 movie makes. I guess you know. There's there's always like there's a lateral telecommunications device in each of these movies and here it's cctv mm-hmm. not that they really do anything with it but it's i think it just speaks to cinemas grow at this time growing obsession with video surveillance technology you know pre slither and um rising sun right <laughs> and it's a way of, get, of getting them to do their their screen snow callback 
We can't and see so, a TV screen. Right, you're right, right. right. Cause they, cause they, you know, out of nowhere, all of a sudden Carol Ann is on the other side and we, like we, we hearken back to the Carol Ann voice distantly mm-hmm. calling from the other side. And it just feels so late in the movie for them to make that callback. I it it's, it's a yeah for me it was like when 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 they would make those callbacks to the original whether it was the voice or the quick shot of screen snow it was again I was like um stop reminding me of a better movie right you yeah. know um don't don't you're you're not this is not an easter egg uh hunt like this is you know and 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 you talk about things that like add it to the list of things that they set up but don't use like so in the first movie, right, um, it's, 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 she becomes fascinated with the screen snow. In the second movie, mm. it's, the, it's the toy phone mm-hmm. that, that right. she talks to her I dead grandmother. And in this movie, they introduce the speak and spell. Now, the speak and spell is objectively terrifying. The voice of speak and spell <laughs> is objectively terrifying. But, and but so, it's a modern-day Ouija board as well. Yes, like, and, it's and, crying out to be a. Uh, it's crying out to be used in a paranormal way, right. and they, they, and don't, they, they don't. The they they just they have her. Int- they sit. They sit. Carol Ann down with the toy of the movie, the speak and spell, and it's saying spell this, and she spells it and goes, aha, very good, spell that, and she spells it, <laughs> and 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 I'm like, oh, what's he gonna ask her to spell now? Like, what's the third right, thing? Exactly. And then and then it's like. <laughs> I will kill yeah, you. Yeah, spell I will kill you or spell code of the light or like spell, um, you, you know, uh, a murder or something like that. And instead of that, Take it's like Carol Ann. Yeah, it's like it's like somebody asks, you know, like calls her from the other room. She puts the speak and spell down. She leaves the room and the speak and spell is never used again. And it's like even when they have a device in front of them, they can't, they don't know how to kind of pick it up. And build something. Yeah, and nothing around happens it. with the CCTV as well. It's not like anyone, any ghosts appear in it or. Right. It's just used as a kind of <laughs> in a sort of prototype of the of the uh, of the twist in speed. Kind right, of bit. right. They put, yeah. in a, they put in an old tape to cover their um, <laughs> to cover their pool shenanigans, <laughs> which again, it's got nothing to do. It's not scary, is it? Really? It's not it's just... scary, but like, what were they? gonna do in that pool that they did not need video evidence of because what they ended up doing in the pool was just Sexy swimming coke, they, they were just right they were gonna like they were pl- <laughs> this whole thing to get into the pool <laughs> <laughs> the teenagers it's 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 uh it's teenagers going into to play in a pool but they were acting like they were gonna go murder someone and they needed to like make sure that there was no evidence of their murder. It was it was so strange. And by the well, way, and this is and to say go, nothing of the break... fact that Laura Flynn Boyle makes the decision to leave a child alone. Yes. At the behest of the child, but it just it always struck me while watching this movie that that is ridiculous. Mm. I mean, this like well, it's a ridiculous but, I mean, choice to make. Common... Well, it's not not so much in a horror movie, but what's kind of unusual about the Poltergeist series and what I kind of admire about all these films, really, is that they don't scapegoat the bad horror parents. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like you know, bad, horror movies are full of bad parental choices. Yes, yeah. right. 
but the Poltergeist movies, you know, the the parents are sort of, uh, you know, they 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 never dissent to that. They they make good choices throughout these movies. Um, Not so this one. it's odd to see someone abandoning a child in a Poltergeist movie because that's we we never do that. The, you know, the family the family unit is sacrosanct. I, I well, made the that... same note throughout I made these this, movies. I made the same note, and and and. and... This movie is predicated on parents abandoning a child, right? You know, exactly. Like, like her actual yeah. parents have abandoned her and shipped her off to oh, Chicago. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, and exactly. So, that makes no sense. And so, and so, from the and 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 the whole um, the whole uh, uh, problem for Nancy Allen is Nancy Allen is living in a situation where there are now two kids in her apartment, and neither of them are hers. She's married an older man in Tom Skerritt, who is, as we know, is involved. Um, and, and so she's married Tom Skerritt and Tom Skerritt has this child from a previous marriage and now they've, uh, agreed to take in, uh, uh, Joe Beth Williams daughter. And so now, so, so, so her arc, if you were to call it that, and if, and if this movie has, a, if the movie this has a protagonist problem, yeah. So her arc is learning to, um, take up the mantle of mother. That's sort yes. of her arc, right? That she doesn't want to be yeah. a mother. Did she this come wants... as a surprise to either of you? Because, like, it just seems so out of place to... in the series. Yeah, like her, her not wanting to be called Trish, or our Aunt Trish at the beginning of the movie, to me, did not denote enough that she didn't even want this child with them. No, not at all. I didn't. So understand when that she... turn came, I was, I literally, my note was, what the fuck. Yeah. Like, mm. she wanted to just leave and, like, abandon a child. At that point, you're so not on her side that you think Tom Skerritt shouldn't even want to be with her. Ever. Yeah, then... Well, that's the thing. I and mean, so I'm, it turns I'm, the I'm, whole love yeah. of family being together inside out in a way where you can't... You know, so... But the movie's also telling you, once again, that... That... Uh... You know, we still have that feel-good vibe about the married couple at the center of the movie. But the the movie gives us no reason to believe... And the actors are playing it fine. Like, the, like I believe their chemistry. I believe they love each other. There's just nothing behind it mm-hmm. in, the, mm. in, the, in the story or the characterization. Like, on the page, yeah, right. there's nothing that tells us why these two are in love. They're selling it really well. Tom's, you know, I mean... Tom Skerritt keeps grabbing Nancy Allen's hand and kissing it and looking into her eyes and like it's like making the best of a bad job, but nothing. See, but that makes it worse is... for me because he's selling it, yeah, it so makes it, well. That makes it, I, I know. I just I'm not putting right. it. I don't think the actors <clears throat> lack chemistry. I think I think they cast the right people, but they they didn't they didn't write them properly. No, yeah, not at all. Or direct them pro- or direct them properly so that we understand why they love each but other. But in trying to give Nancy why Allen they would this want to arc, be a family unit that the movie keeps telling us that they yeah. are. Yeah. In trying to give Nancy Allen that arc, they they discount everything that we've learned about how important family and love is in the first two movies. Yes. They not only just dis- yeah, and I mean, I mean, the counter arc here is that is that Carol Ann has to has to sort of accept that she's been abandoned by a family and accept this new family, right? Because it's all she's got, 
which you know, as far as, as far as arcs go, is pretty depressing. <laughs> it's totally depressing. I mean, the, for for if there's a formula to a poltergeist movie, in my opinion, it's it's this: it's that um, uh, ghosts attack the family unit. Right. Period. Yeah. Um, and they do it through they prey, they're, they're predi- they're they're predatory. family predators. Yeah, they they do mm-hmm. it through abduction or possession. Um, you know, the, there's the Stephen possession in the second one, and, and there's obviously the Carol Ann abduction at the center of the first one, and and so that's how they attack the family unit. Um, and again, it makes no sense that then the then the poltergeist actually turns out to be a religious leader who would not attack a family unit like i don't you know it's like which by the way has made no mention of here no it's like just so, to underline how little we need all, that all, it never plays it all i'm saying is I, I, all i'm saying is the the formula for a poltergeist film is pretty simple which is ghosts attack a, a an intact family unit and so when you start this movie and you have a family unit that is not pre-intact the, yeah why what what is there to save there's nothing to there's nothing to fight there, for. No. There's nothing to fight for. And so and so what this movie tries to do is tries to take a fractured family unit and create a family unit th- over the course of this trauma. Now the problem with yeah. that is and I had this sinking feeling halfway through this film. I I got this feeling. I went I I I went, "Oh no. This movie takes place over the course of one night, doesn't it?" Like I I was mm-hmm. like, "This is <laughs> You can't build a family in one night. I don't care how traumatic that night is. You, yeah. you, you're not gonna get there in one night. I'm sorry. Like it, it was one of these things where um, I felt like the 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 movie convention of and this all happens in one night. Like really undercut what they were trying to do with the with the characters. Um, you you yeah. can you can buy a lot. You know, a lot of movies take place over the course of three days, right? It's three days of the condor, like right. So yeah, right. Um, three days of the three days of the condor is based on the book called Six Days of the Condor. So like they they, <laughs> you can get a lot done. You can get a lot done. The in, movie producers like ah, we gotta cut that in half. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> you can get a lot. You can days. get a lot done in three days and two nights in a movie. And I think if yeah. this movie had taken place three days and two nights, it would have been a, a different. We might be talking about something else, but it tries. It it says no, no, well, no. Well, no, that's no. the thing about horror. I'm going to do this in too. one night, and they fail. Yeah, because that's a that's a thing about horror movies, and especially haunted house movies, is as an audience, the second it becomes night, you tense up, mm-hmm. and when you get to the day, you kind of ah, because you're always thinking ghosts don't fuck with people during the day, oh. <laughs> you know, right? And so you get you get that those 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 levels of attention and release and tension and release where you kind of, again, but again, doesn't like, have yeah. that because it's all. Well, cause genre, genre and story are fundamentally at odds. Right. That's a great point. And especially the parts of the store, especially parts of the story that have to do with resolving whatever happened to our character, the characters that we know from previous movies. That's why, you know, you got to get rid of them. You'd have, you'd, ha- I think this is a, f- I think this is a fine, horror movie and most of it is to do with scares and effects mm-hmm. and de- and devices that work really well i mean they're, they're kind of age-old foolproof horror moments in this movie uh, the concept and there's enough of them there. to make me start liking but, the movie i mean we've been very but critical of it, it but yeah but this well but the story 
kind of can- yeah. kind of cancels out the good that's done uh in the in you know with the with the the kind of genre pleasures mm-hmm. but i yeah because the to... genre pleasures i kept i constantly found myself going ooh i kind of like that yeah, yeah. and too. I'd say that like once every seven to you know eleven minutes, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it made me think it was possibly a better movie than it really is. Yeah, and what did you think about so... having to bring back Tangina yet again, like kind of pull Zelda Rubinstein off the shelf? It, it felt very uh, shining to me. Yeah, I I, wrote, I had a Scatman yeah. note. Yeah, it, it felt very Scatman. I wish we'd seen what erotic art is in Tangina's yeah. outfit. <laughs> Speaking... <laughs> I, <laughs> when, when you see Scatman Crowther's place in The Shining, you're like, yeah, that's probably what is in his apartment. Yeah. And I, I'm desperate to know what the Tangina equivalent of that is. I got the sense, I got the sense from, from it that they had Tangina for two and a half days. Oh, yeah. That, Right. That was the sense that I got, and they just gave they gave her the exposition dump, and you know they they it's like instead of instead of pausing and conceiving where Tangina might live, they just put her on a plane because you can just find a plane set easily enough. You know what I mean? Sure. Like like they put her in a generic location. Might have well might as well have put her in a cafe or something like it. It was they just put her in a generic location. When wow, what? Again, and it was another. It was another situation. Of, they used that plane set three years later for Die Hard Two, I bet. Right, and and <laughs> and, and it was another one of these situations where um, they had to leave the skyscraper. You know. Yeah. And you know, in True. in Shining, like in Shining, it it works at that point to to go to Scatman. Uh, because well, yeah, also in Shining, like he has to do so much work to get there. Yeah, yeah. And so when when you you're you're relieved to see, to see him see in the him. building just to get immediately axed, you know. You, yeah, you, you have you you have a whole scene of him hiring a snowplow from Tony Burke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which you wouldn't think would work in a horror movie, but Stanley <laughs> Kubrick obviously knows better than me. Um. Yeah, but I I got I definitely got Scatman vibes from her appearance and her and her functionality in the in the And in speaking the, to the, what we were saying earlier, Matt, wouldn't it have been interesting if she got all that way and couldn't get into the building? Yeah. Exactly. You know? That's the thing. It's like they didn't make anything hard. Yeah. For for any character, nothing was hard. Like it wasn't even hard for Nancy Allen to run an art gallery. Like that wasn't even <laughs> Right. And of course, it was like, and what, is there is there a more '80s job for a character to yeah. have than running an art gallery? Like, it, like I, it's it's well, I, I'd say running an art gallery where you're hosting an opening for a Japanese conceptual artist <laughs> with a sushi buffet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a layer cake of '80s references. <laughs> it's a bean dip. It's a bean dip, right? I was, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did one I what do you make I mean this is so minor it, it it probably didn't even get on anyone's radar but the the those twisted figures that that artist is making No it made it oh, made my radar 
Is that like a Geiger reference? I don't, I, I don't know what was... I don't yeah, know if the it's art. Geiger or not, but... The art in the yeah. gallery, it looked like they were going we to... we do focus on it quite a yeah, lot, the, more than we should. They were going to make a meal of it later, like it was going to come to life and That's terrorize... What I That's what I assumed. <laughs> that yeah. it, like all of these sculptures were going to come to life and terrorize the people at the opening, which would have been great. Which would... Yeah, exactly. Because uh, once you start seeing their heads turn in the mirrors and stuff... Yeah. I yeah. thought, oh, they're going to go haywire during the opening and we're going to have ourselves a scene and it like it never pays off. It doesn't because it it's another one of those stupid moments where a horror film treads water. Yeah. It's that it's that oh, this it's more this treading literally water. Treads water. Yeah. Yeah, they break into a pool just to tread water. Well, and it's like if your movie's 80 minutes and you need to some filler, f- f- do that. Yeah. <laughs> Make something yeah. interesting. Have a long uh, tracking shot in an art gallery, focusing on a on a hum on a, like a distorted humanoid uh, uh, sculpture. <laughs> yeah. Sit on it, but then never use it well, again. Like it, it was. Oh, that was so frustrating. Um, the the only I think the only point where they really go the distance on on something uh, in the movie is when Donna returns, uh, in a kind of skeleton cocoon. Yeah. And it's a really expertly executed piece of body horror. It is mm-hmm. having her break out of the break out of this um, skeleton that's full of creepy crawlies, and for a moment we get this kind of full visceral effect that is completely absent from the rest of the movie. I, I, th- and it, I mean, it stands out for that reason, but it also stands out just because it's really well executed. It's really well executed, and then and then they sort of you know, and then she's kind of the she's kind of. She, it seems like she's been rescued from the other side, and then then the movie tells us later, no, she's more of like a pod yeah, person. Yeah, turns it on its head. And, and but which is which which is yeah. which is also I'm like I'm fine with, except the problem is Scott. <laughs> what happened to Scott in this movie? Where did he go? Uh, well, he fell in the he fell in the he, slime. Okay, so ice, so Scott so slice. Scott is Scott is Donna's <laughs> Scott is Donna's uh, uh, the guy that she's flirting with, and they're sneaking into the pool together. So he's right. he's the horror right. movie boyfriend, and he's 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 uh, illegally obtaining beer, um, beer, but he's paying for it, right? Which is... And that's the kind of guy Scott is. That's all you need to know about Scott. He's going to pay for... He's going to steal beer, he's but leave pay a 20. for the beer that he's not legally allowed to have. I think that is actually what earned the film the PG-13 rating right there, is that you steal <laughs> beer, but leave 20 bucks. If you if you watch this on HBO Max, you know, the, it comes up at the top. It says, uh, fear, sex, teens, underage teen drinking. And and also um, uh, polite theft. so so to recap scott's arc so he's the horror movie boyfriend of the of of the older sister right so you know that this guy is just gonna he's gonna get the axe in some way right he's like he's just sort of set up to die right and and you know he 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 has such a, a wonderfully um He's such a wonderful '80s look about him too. Like I have a I have a note here that yeah. says Scott Scott has the biggest hair of all. Like he just has the he just has his he hair. He has all just, the hair. He has all of his it. His whole family though. His whole family are like straight out of Home Alone. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> so so he he and Laura Flynn Boyle they fall into the puddle into in the in the 
parking garage, which in the in the scope of this film makes just marginally more sense in context than it does out of context. Um, so they fall. Any clear surface is is game for right. the other side. And so he falls into the puddle with her. She comes. At, he is then rescued uh, from the pool. Like he he jumps through the ice and he's covered in ice and then he thaws mm-hmm. out. And he's the first one rescued from the pool. And then Laura Flynn Boyle is rescued from the other side when she jumps out of Tangina's corpse. Okay. And then you're like, okay, two out of the three people who fell into the pool are back, right? And then they, and then the movie says, uh-uh. And they, and they kind of show the, uh, Donna and Scott together. And then they're sort of cons- plan. their evil plan, whatever they, that they, was. They're just sort of laughing. Well, cons- they've come back from the dark lodge from Twin Peaks, basically. <laughs> right. Infected with the it's just a, it's just a crossover. They're infected with the soul of uh, the soul of Bob. <laughs> so so they um, so now they're evil, and uh, and they go off together. And then Donna is sort of really rescued in the end of the film. Yes. <laughs> but we never see Scott again. <laughs> We never. No, we never. We see never Scott see again. him alive no, or we dead. We never see Caroline's face. We never see There's Scott of... again, and he is one of these loose ends of this film. As we as we kind of circle to the ending of this film, for yeah, me, don't pull this, on that thread. This movie looks like they ran out of money in the middle of the movie. That's what that's what it yep. looks like. Right. It looks like they just. Honestly, but did that's not remarkable know. considering the fact that they spent more money to reshoot an ending. Right. So yeah. it's the abrupt ending of this movie got me out of my seat. I literally leaped up and said, "Wait, what? Like you can <laughs> what? That was the last shot? No. Like it yeah. was. I it was. I was. I was absolutely incredulous that this was the end of the. Yeah, movie. because it, it's it's. We're just we're just walking around the building for a good twenty minutes. Oh, and then that's what one of my notes film, is. This movie is too done. fucking long. Why am I up around one forty over an hour and forty minutes? Stop it! I don't need to see Tom yeah. Skerritt and Nancy Allen chase someone who's clearly not Heather O'Rourke for twenty minutes. Yeah, in a parking garage. I like it when the abattoir comes to life, though. That was worth. If that was a reshoot, that was worthwhile. When the the there's the the kind of muppet the muppet pigs in the in the abattoir. I quite like oh, that. Oh yeah, right. Uh, but but apart from that, there's. I mean, yeah, it's. You're really you're just trying. You're just waiting out the clock, the movie clock. Oh my for god! So much of this, which is bizarre. When you know, it's like, what's the difference between with you? cut the seven minutes you've still got a 90 minute movie uh so that solves your problem of being too short well they had now you're too long they had no (laughs) they had no um god they hadn't like here's the thing so in in uh in poltergeist one like i said like this movie tries (laughs) these these films seem to think that it's not a poltergeist movie unless carol ann gets kidnapped like that right. that's what they think the the glue is. Yeah. And it's not it's not that, right? It's just no. it's just not that. And so that's what's on the poster though. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. God. <laughs> I, maybe they've just seen the poster and not the 
not the movie itself. But but all all I'm saying is like if you look at the first movie, Carol Ann being kidnapped is only the second act of the film. There's a, a really compelling yeah. first act to that film and a and a really chilling third act to that film. You know, they get Carol Ann back by the end of the second act. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in the movie's not over. And every yeah. other every uh, these these two movies after only end when Carol Ann is rescued and and which makes her which gives her like no agency she's not the hero of this right. film she can't be the hero of this film she's just waiting around she every third saved. act to be rescued and uh, and yeah it's just a it's just a such a frustrating thing it's like yeah. it's 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 yeah they just they choose to lift the all the wrong things from the original in my opinion they just choose to lift all the right. wrong things and I don't know. Did you guys see the the reboots or the? I did. The, no. uh, yeah, I, I know you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, Mike, I think I actually think we talked about it on we the, talked on, about it on the other show, and um, um, and they were trying to reboot it, which I guess is a valiant effort. I mean, the the you know the first movie is you know the effects are dated and and all of that stuff, but God, man, I don't know the lightning in the bottle. The lightning in the yeah, bottle. Yeah, but it was... ends up looking better than, you know, this movie does because, I don't, you know, there's just there's too many mistakes to. To go over in that reboot, but. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we have the possessed cars, which. You know, <laughs> the most on the nose reference to Stephen King in a franchise full of Stephen King ripoffs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just sneak one more in before the end, um, and then yeah, I mean nothing. Nothing happens, and the, there's no story progression in the last half hour of the movie. Right. So it's really it. It all comes in that final, that final scene. And the why final, snow? Uh, why why snow? Why cold? Out of uh the 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 um temper the heating and ventilation systems. That's just words you just gave me. <laughs> well, that, I mean, no, that's they, they make reference at the beginning of the movie. You know, it, it begins with the 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 inability to control heat and co- hot and cold in the building. Oh no, I get again. That. But where does that yeah. come from? From the other two movies? Oh, it doesn't. Oh, but except oh, corpses. No, corpses no, it's are the building. Cold, it's it's the building. It's specifically the building, which is great. Which is great, but there's nothing to, nothing to do with a. No, it doesn't ha- again. Doesn't have to have to do with a poltergeist, and certainly not Kane. Well, what I what I think is what I think is um, again, like in this alternate universe where um, this is not a poltergeist movie, it's just a haunted skyscraper movie, and the idea that yeah. um, uh, you turn all the promises of this of this skyscraper into um, horror. Yes. Right. So exactly. if there, if it's a snowy inside, it sh- this building should be um, you know in Phoenix. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, the the whole thing mm-hmm. is like, we promise you climate control. We promise you relief from the heat outside. And right. then inside, it's a meat locker. And it's going to threaten to um, freeze you to death. I think the, you know, not only is the is the is the final set piece, which is this, the a, a auto garage. Why did I say auto garage? I feel like I'm, <laughs> it's a garage. Um <laughs> Like a parking automobiles. garage, automobiles. <laughs> so it's it's a garage for horseless carriages. 
Um, uh, it's this garage that's sort of in the that's middle of a, of a blizzard, right? And so you have um, a you have double Stephen King references. You have Christine and The End of The Shining um, yeah. happening at the same. If you can imagine those two books colliding, then you have kind of the the third act set piece of this film. And again, it just feels like not any it's it, it's picking up on none of the track laid by the previous two films yet like i said before this film to watch it you absolutely have to have seen the first two films to understand yeah. even remotely what's happening mm -hmm. it, it 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 makes you it it, it 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 requires that you know canon yet it follows none of the rules laid by that canon yeah, and it it plays fast and loose with the with the mythology because now it's the house again. Yes, that's the mm -hmm. problem because she was she was born in that house, and the, the I'm pretty sure the last movie told us that that wasn't the reason, <laughs> but now it is the reason. <laughs> was she born in that? But it still follows her outside the house. So yeah, I guess I I don't know. Maybe that's as good as an explanation of any. So I was. It's not. It's me and the house. I guess that's what the movie's saying. <laughs> No, it's her and Cain. For whatever reason, like it's this this, she, this is the rubber she match. Says, I was born in I was born in a house that had this guy in, and that's why he's following me. Oh wow! <laughs> we can all relate it's to close that. As we get to, yeah. <laughs> so basically, the first movie gives tells us it's the house. The second movie tells us it's her. This movie tells us it's both, and neither. <laughs> Because Tangina also says he he's found her, which is assuming we 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 know who the he is in this, because Kane is dead and he was only in the sequel, so <laughs> it's it's kind of uh it's interesting. But you're I mean you're absolutely right, Matt. That a line like that only makes sense if you've seen the first two movies, yeah. and you have to have definitely seen the last movie, right? Yes, which. It's not like you can come back into this series after just seeing the first. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it just it weighs everything down, and then this poor excuse for a finale is yeah, it's 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 sad, you know. It's like a, it's it's a just a cinematic resignation, like it's that. a mark misser. <laughs> and so you know. I mean, is there anything left for either of you? I, this the the end of this movie's sort of a muddled disaster so much so that they have us looking at that stupid window washer crane coming out for a good solid four to five minutes yeah um uh well i mean i think i think we've alluded to the fact that you know the ease with which tangina dispatches kane undermines his threat both here and, and in the, in the last, last movie, movie right and count countermands the last the ending to the last movie uh, and I, I does she sacrifice herself? I don't even know if that's clear. Is that clear? Did, did that what you you both got from? Yeah, her? that she, she's gonna she lead. To... She's the one who's gonna lead him into the light because she's going to the light herself. So hey, because why not? She, yeah, she's she's on her way. <laughs> I'm going that way. Going, exactly. <laughs> it's on my way. I can give you a ride. Yeah. It's it's not is that a sacrifice or it's just like a hey I happen to be here it's a bit of a convenience I happen to be dead anyway <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean it just underlines that she's pure like 
plot function in this movie, right? Yeah. She 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 comes in at a point where we need something explained, and then she dies, and she's re- redundant until the point in the movie where the movie needs her to sacrifice herself to get Kane out of the well, way. That's what I'm saying too about like copying all the wrong things. Like they looked at Poltergeist two and said we need somebody to fulfill that really satisfying grandmother role that the yeah, grandmother did, yeah. and it's like no, the grandmother was not a great character and not like and her appearance at the end was super she cheesy died for a reason yeah right? like she yeah she but they 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 photocopy that and lay it on tangina when uh god it's just it just seems like the wrong thing to copy and then and then and then you know by this by the third movie tangina her character is kind of i don't know regressed in a way like it definitely mm-hmm. It's as you said, Matt. Like she's she's there just to be be the, you know, the the stock horror archetype of the of the expert, so she can play off Doctor Seaton as the skeptic. Yeah. So yeah, it, right, that's right. definitely a step a step backwards because that's like you know it's horror one hundred and one basically, mm-hmm. and she's definitely more interesting than that. You know, simply just saying, no, the supernatural exists. Doug Seaton says, no, it doesn't. It's all mass hypnosis. And they just go... Back and forth, back and forth. Around and around and around, yeah. Back and forth, yeah. Yeah. Calling each other charlatans. You know, it's... It's it's, you can... It's like... You have to... You can start with that, but you have to do something else with it to make it interesting. Uh, You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for instance, does something with that that's a bit more interesting. But, you know... Here you just go, oh, these... Here's a couple of archetypes giving their you know stock dialogue yeah mm-hmm. it's treading water uh, more treading water but i was I, I thought it was kind of not not funny because none of this is funny it's just sad um obviously you don't see a close-up on caroline because it's not her um and there's a literal smoke screen around her yeah yeah like they cover the scene with smoke to hide the fact that it's not her. And I'm like, doesn't this all conversely draw attention to her absence? Yes, right. <laughs> like, like it's not like there's a way of filming this in in where you would you wouldn't notice that she wasn't in the scene. I I just I I can't even imagine like what it was like on that day. You know. Oh, I mean, horrific. Yeah, yeah. because like in that scene, like you are, you were you were trying to cover up the fact that the actors who played two of the roles that are in that scene have passed away. One just recently, like, like they're not showing her cause it's not her. They're not showing Kane. They're not showing Julian Beck cause it's not Julian Beck. And, 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 and then, and they're not showing Craig T Nelson and Joe Beth Williams cause they're not there. Like every it's, it's this, <laughs> it takes the, it takes the, um, what you guys have called the convention or uh, of surrogates, um, yeah, and it takes it to this grotesque level of surrogacy. <laughs> right. That this that this um, this movie is is um, almost like masquerading as as a movie at the end, as a poltergeist movie. Yeah, uh, as a, almost like a um, like a like a knockoff of the of the poltergeist franchise, rather than something that was made oh, by the same yeah, people. Oh yeah, it feels like the ninety nine cent store. Right, like 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 some yeah, it, like some it's, off it's, market version yeah. of Poltergeist where you're like, well, you know. Yeah, you or like a, yeah, you can't you can't use you legally can't use certain 
certain aspects of the movie, so you have to sort of write write around. It's them. like yeah. having I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's like having crust toothpaste instead of crest. Right. <laughs> and also, you know, very very Ed Wood. You know what what Ed Wood did with Plan Nine from Outer Space when Lugosi died after filming one scene. You know, they had a guy with covering his face with a cloak. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh for for the for the rest of the movie and and obviously this is just there's just one moment in this movie where Carolina is played by a a different actor but as soon as you as soon as you kind of make that leap you've made a different kind of movie. I mean there's a there's a famous I can't remember the name of it now. There's a famous Gene Harlow movie which was made she she died during the making of it and so like half the scenes in the movie are done with a double and it's you know her with a uh, where with a scarf over her face, mm. or her looking through binoculars, so you can't tell it's her, and it, it it just kind of amazes me because this scene is so unnecessary. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a million ways you can tell us that Caroline Caroline came back, cinematically with footage you already have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some of it in the movie <laughs> as well. So, like. I don't know if they felt they had to do this as a tribute to her, but it's it, it comes out looking the opposite of that, like something very distasteful that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, and you can't yeah. re- and and, co- and and makes the movie feel sad. In a, I mean, it just makes me, you know, it makes me it think. It just bums you out. I bet those actors are thinking, "Oh, we shouldn't have spent most of the movie physically attacking this woman, this girl who was at the end of her life." You know, <laughs> that's, that's, it must be what's going through their minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, this 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 just feels like a, a a a bad idea that that just got worse. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wish this was even like it. 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 You know, knowing knowing everything about the making of and 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 Heather O'Rourke's death. It, it it even erases any opportunity to like have fun watching a bad movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. right. It, it, it just like you can't even you can't even go there with that with this film, even though at times it 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 dips into the ridiculous. Um, at times, yeah. but um, but that is just that 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 just sort of takes it out of bounds. Um, knowing knowing sort of the meta story of the of the making of the film, yeah, yeah. But also draw, drawing attention to it cin- cinematically, which is what this last scene right. does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you watch the if you watch the cursed films documentary, you know, they show this scene as an example of, you know, while the director is saying, "I said we should have pulled the plug," mm-hmm. you know, but we had to shoot that. You know, they told me I had to shoot this, so we we just shot it with without her, and we you know we were all just thinking we got to get through this oh, this one God, day. that's gut wrenching that's, and this that's how it feels on screen yeah. like you can't it's hard to unsee that and the tone of it it, it it it's bizarre would you recommend this movie to anybody mm. uh, i don't i don't know that's tough there's i got i mean there there are there are definite i think I think you can learn a lot as a horror, horror director about it in specific if you're studying specific areas like jump scares or practical effects. Yeah, right. But not really, you know, that not beyond that kind of specialism. Hmm. Um there's not enough there there to say 
you know, give it, give it a look, see. Mm. But like I said, like, you know, on my initial watch, I, you know, I kept like, like you were saying, Tom, like there's enough individually picked out parts, right? you know, and they happen every so often enough for me to, you know, be convinced, is this movie uh, close to good? But then when you sit yeah. down like we are and you you talk it out and you think about like in all the places and all the instances in which this movie is failing, it's failing a lot. It's kind of, I mean, it is it is more, one of my first notes for this was it, it's more like most sequels are, right? It's like a mix mm-hmm. of, a mix of legacy characters and surrogates, you know, people who are established film stars, up and coming actors, unknowns. It's kind of, this is, this is probably, you know, this is the mean mm. for yeah. a lot of horror sequels. Like, like uh, the other side, obviously that's right. Creatively, no one came back, but on screen, it looks like everyone comes back yeah. Yeah. and that's abnormal. This is, you know, it's more normal to, and to have these ridiculous kind of workarounds for why the characters from the previous movie aren't there. It's like, you see, it's, it's, we're, I think we're making it sound like it's more atypical than it is. Mm-hmm. This is this is a this is a run of the mill. Oh, it's interesting. You know, third movie that that's you know trying to drag up what, of whatever it can from the franchise, but also trying to thrust it in very definitely in a new direction mm. to disguise the fact that that you're missing all these elements, um, and you feel like if they'd worked harder at either end of that spectrum we could have ended up with a good movie yeah but but you know uh, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't amount to that there just isn't enough uh you know there there's they just it doesn't have enough going for it, it doesn't have enough content <laughs> going for right. it in the end to sort of take you over the line of a good movie What about a credit check, Tom? <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, this gets no less depressing. Um, uh, the, this, okay, this I, I the, you know I, I try and rank these credit the credits the movies. I think was it Terminator Salvation? I said this is the greatest. I think so. Yeah. Uh, oh no, Terminator Genesis. Genesis wise, because you had you had uh, two cleric two. Two characters on screen called Clark. No, two characters yeah. on screen called Connor, who are related in the movie, and then two actors Clark. Called, played by two actors called Clark, who are not related outside the movie. <laughs> um, here, it's just it's more sad. It's the saddest thing ever. They make a point of noting <laughs> that they've recast Kane in the credits. Uh, <laughs> and again, it's that same thing. It's like we're drawing attention to what's to gone what's, wrong. What's not working? It's so it's like a mea, it's like a uh, mea it, culpa. Know, it, it well, it's yeah, maybe. I mean, it's acknowledging the fact that that it's and again, this is really interesting when it comes to the Back to the Future Two, Crispin Glover question. It's like if someone is just performing the actor, not the character. Mm-hmm. Have they played the character? Mm-hmm. And it seems like the credits are reaffirming that. Everything we got from this didn't come from the guy who played him in this movie. It's all from Julian Beck. 
Um, again, why? But what? Then why Kane? Just oh my god! Like that. That's yeah. what I mean. Like the, I can, I can, I can extend them all the sympathy in the world for having to deal with Heather O'Rourke's death in the in the middle of production, yeah. but sure. But Julian Beck died between he the was movies. Already gone. Yeah. 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 So like. I don't give them. I don't give them a, an ounce of sympathy for no, for yeah. having to 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 recast somebody and put him in in prosthetics. To me, it's like only marginally different than what they're doing now, which is like actually reanimating the dead in movies. Which uh, I don't even fucking get me started on that. <laughs> you don't need to get started. It's already been covered extensively by many of my rants. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um. Gary, director Gary Sherman designed the visual effects for this movie, which is interesting in that it's the strongest element of the movie by a mile. Mm-hmm. But also that was he possibly more interested? I think in yes. Than I really think storytelling. Yes, absolutely. Directing actors. Uh, so you know, part again that's gains and losses. Part of me is like I can't imagine this movie without those interesting visual effects, but. It maybe means the director's got his eye off off the wall. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe the Heather O'Rourke tribute is buried at the bottom of the credits. <laughs> right. Like the same distaste that allows this movie to be released in the first place. Like they're almost kind of. We got away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Only the people who stayed to the end of the credits will get a sense there's anything wrong. Oh man! Like I don't know. Like I just don't understand. I don't understand the thinking of like why you wouldn't put that front, front and center. center. Yeah. Like you're trying to avoid that it it ever. I mean, it's like a child died. I mean, yeah. it's not like. Yeah. And Julian Julian Beck died young, but but he was an older man, and yet he's right at the top of the credits. Fuck! I don't know. But then you know. Whoever thought you should trust Hollywood for good taste when it comes to to, to, to Matt's point about reanimating the dead on screen. You know, clearly <laughs> it's just as mercenary as fuck. Put someone in a Donald Pleasant mess and send them out there. <laughs> you know. Mm-mm. That's all I have. Yeah. That's the last of Alright. That's that's really that's really all there is. Well, that's it. Our most depressing episode. I was going to yeah, say, it really this was. is, this is, uh, I, I, I'm, wow, I'm bummed. <laughs> We're going to come, this is going to come with a, with a warning. This is going to come with a Samaritan's phone number, I think, this episode. I think you need to put can, that in the show notes, Mike. Maybe we can bring the mood up when we pitch our sequels next episode. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, you're going to have to tell us what you think, everyone. What do you think of Poltergeist 3? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. <laughs> Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions and our special guest, screenwriter Matt Aldrich, I'm Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye. <laughs> Say goodbye, Tom. Your choice, Tweedledum or Tweedledumer. <laughs> Perfect. I'd love it if, if Tangina reclaimed Tweedledumer for the for the uh, the small people community. <laughs> I think 
like could be the the end the sort of in the the reclaiming the n-word for right, uh, right. african-americans yeah. to call each other i think i think this yeah. this film should have been subtitled tweedle dumber <laughs> you should have been poltergeist <laughs> three tweedle dumber tweedle dumber <laughs> The only other contender for... Oh, no, I'll save it. I've, I've still got quite a bit. All right, all right, fine. All right, everyone, stay tuned. Next episode, you'll be hearing our pitches. Until then. <laughs>